We're just deciding he's going to read the gospel reading, seeing as there doesn't appear to be anybody here. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 17, beginning at the fifth verse. The Apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending the sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say... We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. For the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I do pray that your beautiful people here will be encouraged in their discipleship after what I share with them this morning. Amen. Now, at first glance, Jesus' response to the disciples' request for more faith seems rather sharp. He seems to put them in their place regarding the amount of faith they need and then their apparent lack of humility. However, In the preceding verses, we discover that he has just placed some very tough demands on them, using a powerful woe on those who cause people to sin. Then he urges them to watch themselves, perhaps in case they are guilty of this sort of sin or victims of it. And then he demands that they forgive a brother who has sinned against them no matter how often he repents and then sins, repents and then sins, and so on. These demands are very tough. And seen in this light, it's no wonder they felt they needed more faith. And perhaps we're starting to think that being Jesus' disciples was really going to be too hard. So Jesus' responses deal with these issues by assuring them that what could be achieved even with a small amount of faith and that the works demanded of them would be no more than a master would normally expect of his servants. So Jesus had really heard them and responded with care. Which brings us to our own time and our calling as Jesus' disciples. We may not realise it but we are often seen as the God person or the Christ person in the various groups that are part of our lives. Our families, our extended families, our friends, our workmates, the staff in the shops at the town centre who get to know us, our footy team and so on. We will be observed, listened to 
and interacted with and through this people will gain a picture of God and a picture of Jesus and what they might be like and what it means to be a Christian. The bitter response, <laughs> and you call yourself a Christian, when they feel that we've let them down, is proof that people are searching. They're searching for God and hoping that what we seem to be is actually true. In order to explore this, I've chosen to share some of my experiences as senior chaplain to Canterbury College, rather than just speaking to you about it. These things tended to happen as I walked to and fro from my office, because uh, my office was here, the chapel was there, the events centre was there, and so I did a lot of walking through the, through the, the school grounds. And I can assure you that I was on a steep learning curve from one year to another. On this particular day, just after I started at the college, very early in February, I walked down to the prep rooms as I needed to see the wonderful Reverend Mary Smith, whose office was tucked away. It was morning tea time, so most of the preps were playing outside. But as I'd stepped into the room, where I had to go across to the door that would take me to another door and another door to get to her office, I noticed this one little boy was there and he was down on his knees with a Tonka truck. Now, I remember my own son with a Tonka truck. And I said, hi there, that's a great truck. And he nodded. And then after I moved on, he crawled alongside me with the truck until I got up to that door. And we stopped together and he looked at me and said, you're from God, aren't you? It was a statement, not a question. My mind went into meltdown. If I say yes, how vain am I? But then I thought, well, if I'm not from God, what am I doing here? So I said, yes, I am. And he nodded and crawled back to the other end of the room. William is standing there thinking about the great response, the great privilege I had as a school chaplain, but also the even greater responsibility that came with that role. But then I asked myself, what just happened here? A little child who had never seen me before, just happened to be alone in the room when I entered it, followed me all the way to the door, then made a statement that only could only have been given to him by God. There was no other explanation for that. It was such an unreal moment and so personal that I have kept it to myself over all these years. Indeed, I have never shared this experience with anyone except for you, with you today.
You may be relieved to know that any vanity I might have developed was dealt with very successfully by a certain year four boy. We had junior school level chapels all the time and I worked with their teachers so that they could suggest a reading and a topic um, and, and organise the children. So from year three up, the children wrote their own little prayers. If they had someone who could read properly there, that they would learn that and they'd present that in the chapels. And of course, they liked, the kids loved coming to chapels because it's the one place they were allowed to be loud. We sang very loudly and clapped very loudly with their favourite songs. But there was one boy who was okay until I stood up to bring everything together in a little homily. As soon as I started to speak, he went red in the face and he glared at me like that. And I'm thinking, oh. It was really upsetting. So I prayed that God would sort it out, which he did at a certain, certain time when the boys' class was responsible for leading the chapel. So they did everything they did to prepare for it and then they noticed this big poster about Jonah that was up on the, the wall. So they all went over to that and I noticed the boy had gone over too. So I just went over and stood behind him. Didn't say anything. Just thought, let's see how this plays out. Then he suddenly turned and asked, were you alive when Jesus was on the earth? I quickly shut up my ego, as I probably looked 2,000 years old to a year four boy. <laughs> and I said, no, I wasn't. That was a long, long time ago. Then I waited for the question behind the question. Well, he said quite abruptly and rudely, how do you know so much about Jesus? Oh boy, I was so impressed. Here's a year four boy, this little child, wanting to check whether he could trust what I was telling him or not. I thought that was brilliant. So I told him how I knew so much about Jesus. And he nodded and turned back to the poster. And thank heavens he never fumed at me again. I very quickly learned that children, like adults, are all at different stages of their faith journey, which meant that the way I responded to their questions or comments was incredibly important. Even if they seemed strange or silly or even ridiculous, I discovered that the girls like to gather around and chat and share their stories, but the boys asked questions. This time, it was a year five boy. The other three classes had already been seated in the chapel, so I decided I'd wait outside for the last one because they came from a different part of the school and I knew they'd be a bit frantic because they were running late. So I just stood at the top of the the uh, steps and waited and I welcomed the first child who came up, welcome to chapel, got a smile and then she hugged me. So I have had on that day 26 hugs. Yeah. But there was just this one boy who was standing at the back 
So I thought, aha, there's a question coming here. And that's what happened. Sure enough, the boy said, excuse me, Reverend Me, you told us that God created everything. And I nodded. I said, yes, I did. So, and he wasn't being rude, he was very polite. So, did God create televisions? That's a very good question, I said, and prayed very quickly that, <laughs> that God would give me an answer. Then I said, well, God didn't actually create televisions, as in the cabinet it's in, or the TV set. However, God created our minds so that we could imagine such a thing and then invent it. He also placed everything we would need to make it in the earth, such as the wood for the cabinet and the metals that would be needed for wiring and other components. Does that make sense? And he paused. Then to my relief, he gave me the precious nod, gave me a hug, then went inside the chapel. I reminded myself to be very careful about what I said about God in the future. Then there were the unexpected questions that on the surface seemed ridiculous and might have prompted a suitable response from me. But somehow, even though I got quite a shock the first time this happened, I realised that the student was very serious and so my answer should mirror that. I was walking behind a year eight boy on the way to the events centre for an assembly. Suddenly he stopped and turned around to face me and asked me, Reverend me, are you God? My immediate response was, oh no, I'm not God. But he stood there looking puzzled. So I explained that I believe in God and I know a lot about God from the Bible, and I know God from experiencing God's love and answers to prayers. This is why I'm able to tell you and the others about God. Does that make sense? Yes, he said seriously, and gave me an order. Thank you, and off we went. I was asked that question quite a few times over the years, so I decided it might be because the students of, often saw me walking through the, the campus with my alb, my long white robe on, and a, and a stall sort of wafting through. But it intrigued me that they had no problem with the idea that God was a female, and one like me with bright nail polish on and too much bling didn't seem to phase them at all. Another thing that often happened was that one boy would ask on behalf of a friend. This particular time, I thought this might be the case, although it might not have been. When I was walking back to my office together with lots of students, two boys, about year seven or year eight, raced towards me. One of them held back a bit but his friend came right up to me and took a deep breath. I 
I just heard it. Then he said, Reverend me, I just want you to know that I believe in Jesus. I love him. I, I want you to know that. So I thanked him for sharing his precious faith with me. And then I waited for the question. Reverend me, if I was gay, would God still accept me? My response was immediate. Of course he would accept you. He created you. He knows everything about you. And you know that Jesus loved you enough to die for you. Of course he would accept you. And we just stood there eye to eye for quite a long moment. Do you really mean that? He asked. Absolutely, I said. Then he nodded and called his friend and they ran off. I was not sure whether he asked the question just for himself or for his friend or for both of them. Another example of that occurred just before the whole school Easter chapel and that was about to start. The college had organised the school photographer to set up at the end of the hall so the staff could access him and I was asked to have my photo taken before the chapel started. I protested they had so many photos of me in an Albina stole, why, why would they need another one? Anyway, I had to be a good girl. You can imagine how stressed I was given that I could see our special guests arriving. So I was this end of the event centre and they were up the other end. I should have been there to greet them. I was stuck down here. And also, of course, I was aware that schools run on bell times and buses. So the chapel had to finish on time. I was getting so stressed about it because I had it's not going to start till I get there. So I just told the photographer that I had to leave when a year six boy came running up beside me and was calling out, Reverend me, Reverend me, I need to ask you a question for my friend. I've told him about Jesus but he won't believe in Jesus because he says there's no proof that Jesus was ever on the earth. Is he right? So he had my full attention. No, I said, he is absolutely wrong. There's lots of proof in the Bible, in the lives of his disciples who were willing to die for him, and from two writers that weren't linked with the Bible. One who wrote a history of the Jews and mentioned Jesus who lived in Nazareth, and one who was a Roman who wrote to the emperor about this Jesus who was crucified. Will that help? Oh yes, oh yes, thank you. And off he ran. And I waved goodbye to the photographer and hurried to take my place in the procession. Oh, doesn't do your stress levels much good doing, going through all of that. To finish, I just have to tell you one last story because it was hilarious. After all these years, I chuckle when I remember it. 
It was after the K to three end of year celebration, which had finished at about 5.30, so it was still light. I was walking along the path um, outside the hall, heading off to the junior school so I could change into my ordinary clothes. And on the way, I was just enjoying watching the children because it was a nice grassy incline there and, of course, the little boys and girls were rolling down it after the, the event. It was really sweet. And I was just about to cross the road to go over to the admin when I heard this child yell out, Come quickly, God's here. <laughs> and they raced over to me, these two little boys, wrapped their arms around my legs and just looked up at me with these angelic grins. Well, I lost the plot. All I could do was laugh. And I said to them, I'm not God. <laughs> I'm just Reverend me. I'm just me. Then they looked at each other again, gave me an even bigger hug that threatened to knock me off my feet. And then they ran away laughing. I hope my stories have revealed the great privilege and even greater responsibility that you and I have as disciples of the Lord. And it will encourage you as those who are called to share and bear witness to the gospel of grace and to do so for those around you who are seeking God and longing to be made new, a new creation with hope, with joy, and with the knowledge that God accepts and loves them all, just as they are. Amen. <laughs>